have any confessed lawbreakers, criminals in the room this morning? Anybody want to put? Yeah, we have a few. Yeah, Lou's out there. Leslie, yeah. Few, anybody break the law? You're a criminal? Yeah, few, Joe's pointing out other people. That's good. That's good. There are some rules that we just don't feel like we need to follow. You know what I mean? Like, if you could reset the speed limit on the 400 series highways, you would do that, wouldn't you? <laughs> we got 160? Because <laughs> I've passed some of you, and I'm only going like 120, 130, but other people have passed me in the, in the left lane. We only go 100 in the right lane when we are forced to, when there's somebody with little uh, cherries going on beside us, right? That's the only time we go 100 in that right lane. We've decided as a society, we don't like that law. <laughs> we don't like that, those, those, those speed limit signs, so we don't obey those signs, do we? <laughs> some, of us, some of us do, maybe some of you are like, really? Some of you speed, and others are like, I don't think I've ever gone under the speed limit when I've had the choice to. Others of you, what about when you're going grocery shopping and you want to buy grapes? And you see, the, and some of those grapes don't look ripe, do they? And you're thinking, I should sample some of those grapes that are in my cart just to make sure that those are good grapes. Because if they're not good, I'm going to put those back and I'm not going to buy those. Or we do the same thing at the bulk barn, right? You, you see, you like licorice, and you're like, that licorice doesn't look fresh. I'm not going to spend my hard-earned money on stale licorice, so we have to sample. We're taste testing. We're not stealing. We're sampling, aren't we? Uh, this, is, this is my absolute favorite one. Did you know that everybody that sings the happy birthday song in public and makes any kind of money, that's a criminal offense? Chuck E. Cheese is one of the worst criminal offenders we could ever imagine. Those, those crooks are making money off the happy birthday song every day with all their birthday parties. Somebody else owns the rights to that, and you're not allowed to make money off of somebody else's song. There are laws that we just don't obey, right? Things that we just don't like to do. Now, as kids, we served out our time. We were in a jail where the adults told us that this is what you have to do and you have to obey these, and we didn't have a choice. And if we broke that law, there were consequences. And we don't want to do that anymore. Now that we're adults, we want to say, I set the rules for myself. I can, I can decide what I'm going to do and what I'm not going to do, and I don't really want to pay the consequence. Well, that's a principle that we face in the church as well. Right from the beginning of time, we struggled with this concept of sin and what's right and what's wrong. And this morning, as we go along in our character study, all through the Old Testament, the journey, and we're, we're looking through maybe some of the lesser known stories that, that, that we know in the Bible, we're looking at a man named Achan and how Achan lost his struggle with sin, and he had some pretty big ramifications for what was going to go on. Right, right, right from the get-go, we need to know that Achan was a part of Israel. So this story, the principles in this story, or really the ramifications of this story, apply to the family of God, the nation of Israel, the people that are chosen to follow him. Now the lessons are for everybody, but the consequences that we're going to look at are for those who have chosen to follow God. Now it takes place at the pinnacle of Jewish success for the 450 years previous to this time. For 400 years, Israel were slaves. They were living without, without freedom. They were living without choice. And then they wandered in the desert for 40 years. 
And they had, they had nothing to call their home. And then God brings them to the city of Jericho. And he says, I'm going to give you Jericho. In fact, I'm going to give you this whole nation of Canaan. You're going to take over different cities, and I'm going to give this to you. And they had just taken down Jericho. They had walked around the wall, this giant wall that was around the city, and it fell down. And this was going to be where they were going to establish themselves. This was at the pinnacle of their success. Now, there's something to be said that at the height of our success, we're still only one step away from failure. Even when we feel like we're doing so well with God, when things are going awesome, we're one step away from just turning around and going the other way. And this was a nation that God said, when you get into Jericho, everything that you get, all the plunder, everything that you take, it's to be given to me. It wasn't going to be burned up. It was going to be given to God. And that we, we get our lesson about how we give and how we tithe and how we, how we give of our finances and our wealth. It comes from the first of everything we get, not from what's left over. That's another message for another day. But God told them, whatever you get from Jericho, the first city that you take in Canaan, it's to be given over to me. So Jericho falls to Israel and most of what's captured is given to God and is going to be set aside for the temple. And then there's this little neighboring city called Ai, and it's right beside Jericho. And Joshua doesn't even feel like he needs to go seek out God and pray. He says, I can take Ai. It's this tiny little city. He only sends a few thousand of his soldiers to go. It should have been an easy victory. It was commanded by God that they go and take these cities. So they go and they fight Ai, and they lose. And they suffer losses in their army. And when you suffer losses in an army, that means you die. <laughs> the people, their friends, their brothers, they die. And Joshua comes back to God and he's mad. And he's understandably mad. He's like, God, you told us to go and take these cities. You told us that we were to offer everything to you. And we did. We were obedient. How come people died? How come we lost? And God says, no, you didn't check with me. Somebody sinned, and you didn't ask me about taking Ai. And we're going to pick up the story here in Joshua chapter 7, verses 19 through 25. And if you want to borrow a copy of the Bible this morning, just put up your hand, and one of our ushers will make sure that you get a copy, and you can just get it back at the, at the end of the service. But we're in Joshua 7, verses 19 through 25, and we're going to read that together out of the NIV. Here's how it goes. Then Joshua said to Achan, My son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan replied, It's true, I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them, I took them, I wanted them, that's what he means. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent. And there it was, hidden in his tent, with the silver underneath. And they took the things from the tent. They brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. And then Joshua, together with all of Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had, to the valley of Achor. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. And then Israel stoned him. And after they stoned the rest, 
they burned them. Not a real happy story here that we're reading, right? That we've had some nice, like, encouraging stories. This isn't an encouraging story out of the scripture this morning. Let's call a spade a spade. God is harsh here. He killed Achan. He killed his family. And we don't like this, do we? This is not a story that makes us feel good. Now, we need to remember this is the Old Testament. We live in a New Testament time. John 1.17 tells us that Jesus came with grace and he came with truth. And now we avoid the penalty of sin because of the age of grace that Jesus brought. We don't have to pay with our lives because Jesus said, I'm coming and, I, and I'm bringing this grace. But the truth that Jesus came in is that sin is still a big deal. It's still sin. Achan had decided that keeping a few items back from what they had taken was okay. You know, we decide every day that certain sin is not really all that bad. And this morning, we're going to have a family discussion as we study this character study, Achan, out of the Old Testament. And I encourage you, if you're not a Christ follower, listen in and hear what we have to say, because there's a lesson for all of us here when we get to the end. But the ramifications, as I mentioned, I'm going to go back to that, they're for those who are already following Jesus. So here's the first lesson out of this this morning, is that the temptation to sin is a shared experience. We all have it. And if we pretend that we're not constantly battling temptation to indulge in something that's not God-honoring just because we've confessed Christ, we're doing ourselves a pretty big disservice. A default consequence of living in this world says we're going to be tempted. Let's look at some scripture. Genesis 4-7 says, But if you do not do what's right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you but you must rule over it. What amazing imagery, right out of the first few chapters of the Bible, that sin is crouching at our door, looking to have control over us. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is a verse that, that temptation is common to all of us, but it's not something that we can't stand up underneath. You know, even Jesus was tempted. We see this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. We don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. He was, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. And there's that story that's in Matthew, and it talks about how, how Jesus went into the desert and he, was, and he was tempted. You know, there's a lot of wrong stuff that's available to us every day, right? We know this, don't we? This isn't new information. Sometimes we've gotten into the habit of thinking that we're beyond that struggle, that we're past evil, that it's not really going to cause us an issue because we go to church because we're a Christian, because we're not going to give in to that anymore. Who are flu shot people? You get the flu shot. Who are not flu shot people? You do not get the flu shot. Yeah, we've got about a one-third to two-third mix, and that's what the numbers tell us, that one-third of Canadians get the flu shot, two-thirds of the Canadians don't get the flu shot. And is anybody really passionate about why they do or do not get the flu shot? Give me, give me reasons why you do or don't. Why don't you, or do you? Yeah, <laughs> being sick sucks. I like that. Anybody else? Why do or don't you get the flu shot? Because it's <laughs> the 66% that are getting us sick, right? 
It's funny, but we have, we have all kinds of reasons why we don't get the flu shot though, right? It's that, well, I don't want to get sick and I think that there's part of that flu shot that might make me sick. And some of us say, it just doesn't work. It's just this big program that, that they've just investing money into and there's all these studies that say it doesn't work. Some people really go down like the conspiracy line where it's government mind control and they're injecting us with who knows what. And we're not going to get our flu shot. But studies do say this. They say that somewhere between 70 and 90% of people benefit from a flu shot. Some, it, it, it's not, it's not fail-safe, but there's some benefit to differing degrees. And 20,000 Canadians every year are hospitalized just because of the flu, just because they got this cold. And there's 8,000 deaths every year because of the flu. But 66% of us, often including me, avoid this shot that would help us. And you know what? While each of us experience the flu at different levels, there's something common. If you catch the flu, you're going to have the flu. <laughs> like, like it, it, it's there. It's out there. You might get it. And there is a shot that might be able to help you, but we worry about it. And some of you might be bedridden for seven days, and some of you might just feel achy and bad. We all experience sickness at different degrees. But some of us feel better pretending that nothing could penetrate this temple that is my body. And there is no, I don't get sick. Well, no, if you get the flu, you're going to be sick. It's a virus. Who knows how you'll experience it? Who knows when you'll pay the price for it? But if you get infected with the flu, you're going to have the flu. We're all susceptible to it. And just as real as the flu is in Canadian winters, the sin and the temptation to sin is something we all experience every day, whether we want to believe it or not. Now, temptation is something that's a shared experience, but the act of sin is a personal choice. It's something that we decide to do or not. And obviously, we don't give in to every temptation. You know, actually, I think the fact that we don't give in to every temptation that we face that's probably what makes us feel so safe about giving in on the few reasons and the few areas where we do slip up. Anything that we're successful at, at like a 90, 95% rate, we usually feel pretty good about, right? If you got 95 when you were in school, wouldn't you feel good about that? You're like a genius. If you got 95 all the way through school, what about if you pull through nine of 10 work projects? You're given nine assignments this week at work and nine out of 10, you just blow it out of the water. And the one you're like, ah, oh, I kind of messed up with that. What's your boss going to say? Good job. That's 90%. Like, we'll fix this one, but excellent work. You did 9 out of 10. What about in a, in a relationship? If 9 out of the 10 holidays this year, you planned something special, you had a night away, you had a babysitter for the kids, or you had a weekend away, you had flowers, you had music, you do, you'd be doing pretty well if you got 9 out of 10, right? No, some people saying no. So if you forget... So help me if you forget Arbor Day. We're not celebrating. No. If, if, if nine out of the last 10 anniversaries, you did so well, and you had like these cruises we were talking about last week, and the, you'd be doing pretty well. We, we feel good about ourselves if we're being successful at 90%. And when we beat temptation of sin 90% of the time, we pat ourselves on the back, and we say, I'm doing pretty good. You know, actually, in all of these areas... I'm really honoring God. And in this area, I'm still struggling, but I'm doing pretty good. Now, we're going to look at what the consequence of sin is. 
Because I don't think sin goes in the category of, hey, 9 out of 10 times at work, 95 times at school, 9 out of 10 holidays. I think the 9 out of 10 sin goes into categories like this. If you only had an accident one out of every 10 times you got into the car, how would you, how would you feel about your driving skills? <laughs> Some of you are like, I know I do that. I, I can't get an accident every 10 times. You wouldn't feel very good, would you? You'd feel like, oh man, I'm blowing it. I can't even drive to work and home every week without getting in an accident. What if every nine out of ten, ten times you baked, there were no kitchen fires, but, but once, one time out of those ten, there was a kitchen fire every ten times. How would you feel about baking? Like, I wouldn't invite you over to my kitchen. What about, what about every time when you had a shower in the morning, nine out of ten times, man, you shut the water off. But one out of ten times, you just let it run all day long and just on and on and on. You're not going to have a house. You're not going to have a car. You're not going to have a life. I think sin goes into this category. James 1.15 says, Then after desire has conceived it, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. That's the consequence of sin. And we're going to look more closely at that consequence in a second, but sin leads to death. In Achan's story, it was literal and physical death. And as we mentioned before, we're in the time of Christ now, so we have grace and we have forgiveness that's available to us. So we don't experience this extreme consequence right now. We're not going to die for, for taking the grape or taking the licorice at the bulk barn, and we're not going to die for speeding most times if we stay in our lane. And we're not going to die for the sin, the wrong things we do, the things that separate us from God right now. But it's why we forget that without Jesus, the eventual result of sin is the exact same. And we don't expect somebody who hasn't chosen to believe in Christ to live a life that's obedient to Christ. I would never expect somebody who says, I don't believe in your God, but I'm going to try and do all the right things that he talks about in the Bible. We don't expect that at all. But then we get caught comparing ourselves, saying, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not living a life like other people. It makes sense that a large percentage of the world makes choices that go against what God says in his word. But we who are the church, why do we sin so regularly? You know, Achan didn't sin because he loved money. Could you imagine if that were the truth? And we can see that in John 7, 21. If Achan sinned because he loved money, that would put us all in a pretty precarious situation. Who likes money? If I said, guys, there's, beside the coffee this morning, there's sacks of money, no strings attached, just grab a cup of coffee, and then you can choose a cookie or a sack of money. Who's taking the decadent, the, the PC cookie? That's foolish. Take the money. Take the <laughs> You could, Stuart, you can buy cookies with money, man. Let's talk after the service. I can fix this for you. <laughs> no strings attached. If you could have a sack of money, take the money. Achan sinned, not because he loved money, because he believed a lie that money was more valuable than obedience. He believed that he could do what he wanted to and it was okay because he was still pretty much obeying God the rest of the way. We sin all the time when we deceive ourselves that our logic takes precedence over God's truth. You know, I talk with Christians all the time, and I, I see this in my own life sometimes, where 
where I believe that if most of my life lines up with God's word and I can rationalize away reasons why I'm doing sin, then I'm okay and God would be okay with it. We talk to Christians all the time. We say, you know, I'm in a committed relationship. So it's okay that we're sleeping together because we're going to get married one day. We're, we're one-on-one. This is one relationship, like, just like God designed it to be, right? You know, money's, money's really tight right now, so I don't always claim everything on my taxes. I make a little bit of money on the side, and I don't really claim that because I'm using that money to give to the church. Or then we say, you know, I'm claiming all my taxes, so I don't really give to God. I don't tithe. I don't give him my offering because I'll do that when God honors me with a little bit of more money. You know, I'm a Christian, so I can watch and take in some of this media that doesn't really honor God because I won't be affected. It's okay. And we justify things. We do this, don't we? And this isn't a judgmental study this morning. This is a character study saying, is there anything in Achan that might be in me that I don't want to actually live out? That's what the point of this is this morning. So we all study this and we say, do we do this? Do we say, God, I honor you with 95% of my life and that other 5% I'm okay with and I rationalize. You know what? Our sin may not all that even be significant in terms of earthly consequences. We hold a little grudge towards somebody. We're just mad at somebody. We live with a little bit of our lie. We live out a lie a little bit with our family and our friends. And by comparison, our sin is fine. And we're still good people. And most onlookers would say, you're not only a good person, you're a real godly person. And Jesus said, don't bother looking at the specks in all your brothers and sisters' eyes around you. He said, examine the plank that may be coming out of your eye. And he's not saying, you know, everybody else around you just has little things that they need to change, and you have this massive thing that's being changed. Do you remember what he said on the Sermon on the Mount? We studied this a couple of years ago. We studied this. He said, you know, some people say don't murder. I say don't even hate, because that's the same as murder. He said, it doesn't even matter if we're stealing. If we're just jealous and envious, it's the same. It doesn't matter if you enact revenge. Even if you have that feeling of unforgiveness, it's the same. And he's saying, let's not judge ourselves by earthly standards and look at specks in other people's eyes. Let's look at the thing that maybe this giant plank that's sticking out of our eye. And as Christians, sometimes we absolve ourselves from any consequence because we think that if the world isn't going to punish it, then why should we even care about it? And we think if God doesn't seem to do anything about it right away, then we're doing okay. But eventually we see that the impact of sin is indiscriminate and far-reaching. I didn't, like you caught that in, in, this, in the key text this morning, right? That Achan's friends, if you go back and read earlier, 36 of Achan's friends and countrymen died because he kept back a little bit of money. His family paid with their lives. You know, God is balanced in every way. He's full of grace, and he's going to forgive us, and we can do the worst thing, and he forgives us. Yet at the same time, he's completely holy, and he's unable to accept sin. And Achan's personal sin affected his entire nation and his family. And we're individuals that serve God, but we're also a collective. It's perfect balance. It's me and God, and it's us and God. 
Have you ever watched the snowbirds? Anybody gone to like the, um, the air show down at the CNE and you watch the snowbirds and they fly in perfect tandem and they're individual pilots with individual skills that they need to be trained and they need to know what they're doing. But they also fly in tandem with everybody else. And one little tip of a wing could cause pretty big havoc on everybody else they share life with, right? Or they share that airspace with. There's the song, it's my life. It's a saying, back off, it's my life. And you know, that's not always necessarily true. You know that we do this together. We do this in context of family. We do it in context of community. We do it in context of local church here, larger church around the world. How, you, how we choose to spend our money, it affects our family, doesn't it? If you have an expensive hobby that you blow time and you blow money into, it seriously affects how much money your family has to spend, right? How you treat your neighbors affects more than you. If Hope decides one day she's just going to buy, she loves, um, she, she, she loves like anything that's got like pop and a beat to it. She, she doesn't care what's going on. She loves it. If she blasts that in the backyard all summer long, how happy do you think the neighbors are going to be with me? And they're like, oh, we know it's not you listening to, the, to that music. We're just going to be mad at Hope. No, <laughs> they're going to be mad at us on the family. Even my little dog, Carlo, remember he was here about a month ago? Even Carlo can affect my relationship with my neighbors. If he leaves a little surprise on their front lawn for when they step out the front door, they're not going to be happy with me. And I can look at them and say, it wasn't me, man, it was the dog. <laughs> They're not going to be happy. They're going to be mad at all of us as a family. You know, so we get that in that context. The way that we act affects our church family. We see it practically. In the level that we serve as a church, that affects the level that other people serve at. If only three people work to make our church body function, those people have to work really hard. (laughs) If 100 people serve, everybody serves less and less and less. You know, the example of Christ that we live out in this community, the example of of the way that Mike lives, his faith in the community affects how my faith is lived out in the community. Because if they judge Christianity by Mike's level of service and Mike's level of faith, then that reflects on me. And it reflects on Leslie and it reflects on everybody. The The way that we show Jesus to our world completely affects those around us. Aiken's friends paid with their lives in the Old Testament time. We don't necessarily pay with our life in the present right now, but there's coming a day when everyone stands and has to confess and has to to stand for what they stood for in their life. And in Corinth, Paul wrote to the church about this, and he said, don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough. So a little bit of yeast can make the whole batch of dough rise. He said, get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened batch. And he's talking about get rid of any sin. Get rid of anything so that we could live. And this is a, a situation Paul was writing to specifically. And we need to know that God's not okay when we accept a little bit of sin in our lives and in our church. But we're not left without a solution for sin. And this is where we land this morning that the solution for sin is true repentance. And this one is the one that applies to those of us following Christ and those of us not following Christ. Regardless, 
if you were a Christ follower when you came today. He wants you to leave knowing that you don't have to worry about the consequences of sin. He wants you to know that the free prize for coming to church today and hearing about Jesus is that you don't have to worry about paying up for the consequences of sin. It's like when you go to the ACC and there's a free t-shirt sitting there and it's like, it says, we the North or something. That's the free prize you leave with from hearing about Jesus. All you got to do is put it on and say, I'm going to repent. That's the solution for sin is true repentance. It's saying, God, I've got things in my life that don't honor you and I'm sorry about it and I want to live differently. John 1, 1 John 1, 19, it's in your notes. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So that leaves us with a response this morning and ask Heather and the team to come back. And the response this morning for Macon's story is just this. Would we do some self-examination and say, God, there's stuff in me right now that there may be 90% of me that would be good and be honoring you, but there's stuff that I've held on to and stuff that I've become complacent about and I felt good about or I felt okay about or I felt like I don't need to really worry about that. And this morning, like I said, whether you have been following Jesus for a long time or whether you've never even considered following Jesus and this morning, you're hearing this and you're saying, I need to change. The call to all of us is the same. He just says, confess that you need to change and then decide to change. There's a beautiful story in John 8 when it's a prostitute that's face-to-face with Jesus. And I think most of us can see that something in a prostitute's life is not perfect, that something needs to happen. And he looks at her and he says, I don't judge you. So go ahead, but don't sin anymore. That's the message of grace and truth. He says, God looks at each one of us and says, it's okay. I know there's wrong stuff. Do you admit that you've done something wrong? Okay. Now go make a change. So this morning we're going to sing a couple of, I think we're going to sing a couple of older hymns of the church. And whether you want to stand in your seat or whether you want to kneel down or whether you want to come around the front and find it's just a quiet space on your own, here's what I'm going to ask us that we do, that there's no shame, there's no judgment, but there is a call that says, Lord, for us to examine ourselves and say, is there anything that I need to change? Is there anything that I need to say, God, help me with? I'm going to, I'm going to go from this place, not judged, forgiven, and I'm going to go from this place knowing that I'm going to choose to live differently. So as I said, whether you want to pray by yourself, whether you want to pray with somebody, we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to give you the space to pray on your own. Would you respond in the way that you need to, in the way the Holy Spirit is just speaking to your heart this morning as we sing these songs? All to Jesus I surrender all to
first verse again.
What I love about the Bible is that it doesn't ever leave us without hope. And it doesn't ever leave us without an answer. It just says, come to me, be open. That's Jesus' call. He says, be open to letting me shape and work and change all the time. And we, we, we're doing these character studies because we see ourselves in so many of these people. We see, we see ourselves in Aiken this morning. A man who is following God, following in the army, yet something was a little off. And our prayer as we developed this message this morning is that each of us would say, God, I can change. God, I haven't got it all figured out. God, I'm still tempted. God, I still give in sometimes. But God, there's still a plan to deal with that. So I want to pray a blessing over us as we go. And you know, if you've, if you've made a decision this morning that you want to talk about further, whether you made a first-time decision to follow Jesus, whether God's just speaking to you about something, we've got information cards down at the Information Center. and Just fill it out and leave it there at the Information Center. We'll follow up this week with you and pray with you or get in touch with you. But, but for all of us, I just want to pray over us a blessing that there be nobody that felt, feels judged, nobody that feels like they've let God down. They let themselves down. The reason why Jesus came is because he knew. He was tempted in every way we are, and he knew we needed that. And he didn't want us to pay the penalty of sin. He wanted us to be able to come to him freely and have a moment like this this morning where we can say, I surrender it all to you, and it's your blood that covers my sin. So I want to pray that over us as a church. Lord, I thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. God, I thank you for the humble spirit and attitude that's in this room right now of people who are sinners. God, I'm a sinner. God, there's stuff in my life that doesn't honor you. And we're able to come to you because you came with that grace. So Father, forgive me for the areas of my heart that aren't fully submitted to you. And for the times that I embrace sin and I make a rational excuse about it as to why it's okay. Father, forgive me. Father, forgive us. And Lord, help us live in freedom this morning. As we walk out of this place, help us to live by your Spirit. Every word we speak, every place we go, God, it would be led by your Spirit. We would live in truth. We would live with life and love because, God, the way that I live my faith, it has big consequences. It has big ramifications in this community, in this world, in the lives of people all around me those that know you and don't know you. And Father, would I live every day my best for you. God, I thank you for a time that we can come like this. And we just ask that your spirit reign and rule in our lives this morning. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.